Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast of the Carolinas by way of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the moment sports betting fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Introducing the Fistful of Cash Podcast! What is going on, guys? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Tuesday Touchback, part of the Fistful of Cash Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Lippin, in here with the co-host of all co-hosts. Sharp, what is going on? Uh, nothing much, man. Um, just finished up a busy weekend. Sister-in-law got married uh, between work, uh, a lot of stuff going on in the personal life. Um, but I found time to sit down and watch enough football this weekend. Um, I hope everybody... Put the picks in and rode with us, uh, as you will tell over the next you know thirty minutes or so. We did have a good weekend in football. Uh, we went positive in college, and we should have went perfect in the NFL. Um, but you know we can blame that on Andy Reid. We'll touch on that. But yeah, four and one in the NFL should have been five and zero. Oh, but a good weekend all in all. Yeah. Well, let's let's start with the Andy Reid thing. Andy Reid knew what the the total was. Uh yeah. I mean. Fourth and what was it? Fourth and five on Cincinnati, or fourth and four on Cincinnati's five yard line. Yeah, and you're up by 35 points, and you go for it. Like kick the field goal, man. Right. <laughs> you were a point and a half away from the over. This is one of those things where it's just like we've talked about it before about coaches knowing the overs and the unders. Um, coming into this game, both teams were undefeated. Uh, as far as the over goes and, you know, Andy Reed making uh, running the ball on fourth and four on the five yard line. Um, I mean, Spencer work on him. I mean, think he picked up three yards. He almost picked it up, but he picks it up. They need, they, they need it. So regardless, they, you know, it wasn't hitting, but yeah, he screwed us there. That's for sure. And again, it's one of these things that, you're not going to find somebody out there that's going to convince me that these guys don't pay attention to that stuff. I mean, they not they may they may not be swimming in the information like we are. However, you're not going to convince me that they don't know what it is. And that was case in point right there. I will say this though, and you had sort of alluded to it. I feel like the league might be doing an injustice by hyping up Mahomes the way that they are, despite the fact that he's having a gigantic season. Uh, it Whenever somebody is just constantly saying positive things about you all the time, as if you can do no wrong, as if Mahomes is going to walk on water, it gets a little annoying, and you kind of want to see the guy just not fail, but just you know give people a reason to not be so high on the horse all the time. Oh, Chris Collinsworth was terrible last night. Um, he was so far up Patrick Mahomes' ass, it was unbelievable. There was a point where Mahomes got shoved briefly out of bounds, and uh, he turned around, and Collinsworth said, good thing Patrick Mahomes didn't throw the ball at him. He probably would have killed him. Like, lay off the guy's nuts a little bit. 
don't get me wrong, the, he's a good quarterback, but it also helps that he's got a wide open receiver on almost every play because Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt spread the field so well. Um, the kid does have a you know a rocket arm and he is accurate, but when guys are absolutely wide open, he's just doing what he's supposed to do as an NFL quarterback. I mean, if he wasn't making these throws, that would you know there'd be a problem. Right, we'd have a Blake Bortles situation on our hands. Yeah, top fifteen quarterback Blake Bortles. At the time when I made that claim, he was. But right. He, uh, mm, yeah, the- it changes week to week. It, it absolutely does. One minute you're riding high, the next, you know, you're benched for uh, some guy. I can't even remember his name. So, you know. Cody Kessler, baby. Oh, that's right, Cody Kessler. I couldn't, I couldn't remember who it was. Gosh, he's so terrible. Uh, here's what – okay, so transitioning into that. And, you know, obviously I'm uh, we, we do our absolute best. I'm not in the podcast game to make political statements. But I am over – the people already that are saying that Kaepernick should have Bortles job. And I say that to say this, it has nothing to do with the national anthem and everything to do with the fact that that's ridiculous in the fact that Kaepernick has not played a snap of football in what has uh, turned into years now. And does anybody even know, is he in game shape? Is he, is he out working out with elite level, you know, wide receivers? Is he even in the position to put pads on and get out there and compete, let alone contribute before we just start giving this guy saying, Oh, he should be on this roster or that roster or whatever, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me when you don't know what the guy's situation is talent wise when he's good. Sure. But you don't even know if he's in good, if he's in game shape. Right. I, I, so I can see both sides of the Kaepernick argument. Um, if I were the Jaguars, I'd probably make him an offer and bring him in. I don't know if I would play him this year, but if you can sign him to a two-year deal close to the veteran minimum, um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely bring him in. I think the Jags will turn it around. I don't think they're going to be the powerhouse that they were last year. I don't see them in the AFC Championship game, but I don't think they're going to have a top 20 draft pick. So as far as drafting a quarterback, I don't know if that's going to be an option for them. So if you can have Kaepernick, you know, get, you know, 10 months under his belt and be ready for the start of next season, um, that's an option. Or your other play is call the Oakland Raiders up. They're just dumping their whole roster. Uh, Amari Cooper got traded to the Cowboys today for a first round pick. Um now, they now have three first-round picks, the Raiders do. I don't know how John Gruden's convincing his team that he's in it to win it by trading away you know, the best playmaker on their defense and now the best playmaker on their offense. But um, hell with it. Make a run for Derek Carr. The Raiders would probably give him up. I don't see anybody on their roster that they wouldn't give up. So, you know, the Jaguars, that's another option for you, Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, it's not unlike what Jeter did when he got down to Miami. And it's just like, oh, there's tons of talent here. Well, let's just give it all away and get nothing in return. I, I just don't understand it. I don't see the I don't see the logic in it. I don't see the play. It doesn't make any sense to me other than I think the game has probably passed Gruden by and he does what 
or is doing rather what a lot of casual guys or fans will do where they think that a group of B plus or B minus players can somehow compete against elite level talent. And it's just not the case. This isn't a Rudy story. This isn't Hoosiers. This isn't, you know, uh, coach Carter. You're not going to be able to take a group of people that nobody wants or guys that can barely make a roster anywhere else and do something magical. It's just not the way it works anymore. The world is not like that. And I don't know what fantasy world that John Gruden's living in, but you cannot trade away all your talent for nothing and, you know, try to make it some part of whatever 10 year plan or whatever it is he's claiming. Because right now it just looks like lunacy. It looks like an inside job, like he's blowing the team up from the inside out. Right. It's more of, I think, I think Mark Davis might have given him, you know, given him the reins and said, do what you want, build your team. And he's almost treating it like a new college coach coming in and, you know, just weaning out the prior guys' recruits and he's going to bring in his own recruits. Um, and that's, I, you know, three first round picks, unless you've got some masterful plan to package those together to steal somebody from another team. Um, I don't possibly see, I mean, that's only, the only thing that makes sense is he's trying to build his own team from top to bottom. But yeah, he, even then, I, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, the logic in, in getting rid of all your pieces in order to build it, but it's, I'm sure whatever storybook he's reading out of there's some sort of plan there that makes sense but navigating away from poor coaching to excellent coaching new england looked absolutely dominant against chicago despite that last ditch effort the uh the old hail mary play which kudos to trubisky the kid's got an arm on him that was a hell of a throw yeah i mean that thing went 60 yards in the air while getting absolutely wrecked uh yeah it was that was the hell of a pass, a great play by the receiver to actually get his hands on the ball. Um, and New England's defense made the first open field tackle they've made all year, and it counted. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, like you said, um, so on Friday's show, my big selling point in this game was Rob Gronkowski and his ability to stretch that defense and take Cleo Mack out of the pass rush. Uh, Saturday, I found out that Gronk didn't make the trip. So, you know, obviously he wasn't going to play. Um, Cordero Patterson finally earned his paycheck. He did what New England brought him in to do and made a couple guys miss and returned one to the house. Uh, Josh Gordon, four catches for 100 yards, did his thing. Julian Edelman was Julian Edelman running his mouth the entire time, getting in defensive backs' heads and making tough catches across the middle of the field. Sony went down. That was not good at all uh still waiting on mri results um but james white came in and they didn't really run the ball much i think it was like 25 carries for 100 yards total it was a lot of passing and uh i you know don't get me wrong james white can fill in for sony michelle it's almost nice because you don't know if they're going to run or pass when james white's on the field when sony's right. on the field it's pretty much you know it's a run Kenyon Barner came in. He contributed 10 carries. But, um, yeah, New England struggled at the start. They were down 17-7. They got that return from Cordero Patterson, and that was the momentum swing they needed. And they came out in the second half like Belichick normally does 
and had some great adjustments and took control of the game and never gave up the lead. Yeah. So, all right, we missed on the we missed on the Chiefs. Yes. We got Detroit. We got New England. We got the Vikings and Jets over. Yep. And our boy Drew Brees. Uh, we took New Orleans plus three. What a wild game that was. Uh, yeah. So Justin Tucker's first ever extra point missed. He's had a few blocked, but he's never missed one. And I don't know if you guys saw the video of it, but uh, it looked like Justin Tucker saw a ghost as soon as his foot made contact with that ball because it started off dead center and just started drifting to the right. And it swung to the right so fast at the end there. Um, if you haven't seen it, look up the video. You know, Justin Tucker looks like he just, you know, just saw his dead grandma. Uh, it was, he was, you know, shocked more than anybody else in the world because he knows how good he is and how consistent he is. But uh, yeah, I mean, New Orleans battled. Baltimore's defense did their thing, but New Orleans went four for five on fourth down. They went for it three times on the opening drive. Um, they, like I said, man, when in, in the Friday or in the breakdown on Patreon, the Saints are now ten and one against the spread in the last eleven years, coming off a bye. Um, Drew yeah. Brees and Sean Payton know how to game plan. When you give them two weeks, they will come out with a scheme to beat you, and that's what they did in this game. Yeah, they absolutely did. It was fantastic. Um, we don't actually know that uh, Tucker's grandma is dead, so Mima Tucker might be out there somewhere. Sorry, Mima, I didn't mean to write you off there. Uh, if you are still alive. So let's go, <laughs> go, to, go to college, uh, college football. You know, we, we suggested a giant play on Oklahoma minus seven, you know, we capped it at three on the show, but you know, you had said that it's as big as you want to make it. And that hit as it should have, that was a, not going to say it was an easy call because there was some sketchy moments, especially towards the end of the first half and beginning of the second half. But that one hit, and you know when you have a pick your poison kind of unit play on something. I mean that's that's fantastic to hit those, and that was a that was a big pickup for us on the weekend. Yeah, because we did um, we struggled outside of this game really on college football this weekend. Uh, Cincinnati was one of our losses. They had the lead with a minute and a half left, gave up the touchdown, and then looked miserable in overtime. Lost in overtime. Clemson's defense proved me wrong 100% when I said, you know, Ryan Finley is going to be able to keep this game close. They throttled NC State by 34. Um, we took Maryland plus nine. They didn't score a single point. Um, Can I say something about that real yeah. quick? Can I say something about that real quick? Okay. So, you know, that was one of the ones where I made, I suggested that play. You pushed back on it. I pushed on it and we we went with it. That was a mistake on my part. I expected Maryland to show up, and they just did not do it. I was looking at their ability to cover. You know, I guess in a situation like that, like I said, Maryland being four and two, Iowa being five and one, I should have just went with the better record against the spread, as opposed to going with, you know, well, sort of like this John Gruden thing that we were talking about, where I fell in love with the story and not with the actual facts. That one was my fault uh, for sure because I was in love with the story of Maryland disrupting Iowa's season and getting another uh, ranked opponent win. 
to go with the Texas win. So that was uh, that was my that's my bet on that one for sure. No, I mean we went with it. We you know we agreed because I I dug into it. I did some research on it, and I understood the whole Maryland plus nine pick. It is what it is. The Oklahoma pick saved college. Um, Sean Robinson actually only threw eight passes. He got benched for TCU. Um, Kyler Murray had the same amount of completions as he or incompletions as he did touchdowns. So that's no matter which way you look at that, that's incredible. Um, yeah, that just Oklahoma, a little bit of a scare at the end of the first half. Like you said, I thought it was going to be, you know, 40 point victory. Um, and then TCU banged out 17 straight to make it a close game. And then Oklahoma took over in the third and fourth quarter and ended up winning by 25. But, um, yeah, two and three on college on the weekend, um, four and one on NFL for a total of what, six and four up three and a half units. Um, take that all day. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a, that's a productive weekend. One more thing about this before we move on to what's coming up this weekend, the Yukon South Florida game at the under at 70 said it was going to be ridiculously close and uh 68 points is about <laughs> I mean yeah it doesn't get it doesn't get a whole lot closer than yeah that. Yukon's offense scored uh the second most points they've scored all year um that was and I what was that game like seven seven at half and yeah. then they you know banged out 54 points in the second half um but the under hit you did you said it you said i can see this being extremely close to 70 but i think the under is going to pull out in the end and uh south florida picked up a big first down to prevent them from kicking a field goal to go up or hit the over they picked up the first down on third down and was where they were able to kneel out the ball which was massive um yep so as much as the andy reed play screwed us the South Florida picking it up on third down and then taking knees saved us. So I'll consider that a wash uh, on the weekend for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, that was at halftime. I was like, Oh, what a, what a great call on the under on that. That's going to hit all day. And then I just kept getting alert after alert after alert on my phone. I was like, what on earth is happening right now? And then, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. We hit. That's cool. Six and four, up three and a half. That's a great weekend. Guys, there are big things in the works with this podcast. uh, And a lot of that has to do with the fact that despite, you know, if you're a casual listener and you're not necessarily up to speed with what good winning percentages look like or what you think reasonable return on investment should be when it comes to wagering the numbers that we achieve on this podcast are not readily available to you elsewhere they're certainly not readily available to you uh in like the half free half almost free realm and i will again challenge you this find somebody else that's willing to verify their picks by wagering themselves we get we post on Instagram, as most of you see, we get bombarded with other sports betting services, liking and following us. We look at every single one of them. There is not one, with the exception of one gentleman who does not offer a service. He is just a a better or a gambler, if you will. Nobody else posts their slips with the exception of this guy outside of us. 
all these professional things. They all have these little uh, these little graphics that they they make up and everything and say that they hit. But if you want actual verification, you got to join their hundred and fifty dollar a week, a month, whatever service. It's just I'm not going to say it's complete garbage because I'm sure there's guys out there that do well and but they charge a premium for that. I'm saying that I challenge you to find somebody that's going to give you what we give you the way we give it to you and recognize the inherent return on investment and value for what you're getting. So all that to say that this community has grown tenfold in the last month and a half. There are huge things on the horizon. We can't even talk about them right now. It's go- it's just you're in for a treat. That's all I'm going to say. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, Steve? for sure. Um, I mean, like you said, there's a lot going on. Um, I wish we could talk about it. I really do. I suck at holding in, you know, secrets. I mean, I give my wife her <laughs> Christmas presents in September. I suck at it. Right. Um, I, I've made, I've let one slip on the podcast before. And as soon as we were done, you were like, man, you, you know, it's supposed to be a surprise. I suck at it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. A lot of big stuff going on. Okay. Okay, well, let's do this. Let's let's. We've got a big UFC event this weekend. Friday show. We're going to have a super special guest on the Friday show. So I'm not going to provide super in depth breakdowns for all of the Friday show because we got to do football picks, we got UFC picks, everything. But we do have a UFC event this weekend, and there are fights that I do want to cover. So I want to get at least some of these in today. You cool with that? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, first fight on this card that I want to point you guys to is going to be on the prelims. Before the main card even gets fired up and going, the, I guess you would call it the premier prelim, the one that they show right before the, the actual broadcast gets started, Sean Strickland versus Nordin Talib. This is a fantastic fight. Welterweights, I mean, just big, strong, rangy welterweights. Nordin Talib looks like he's an action figure. Sean Strickland has some of the cleanest striking possible. It, it's just going to be an absolute treat of a fight. This is a Canadian card. Nordin Talib is Canadian. I like the lean towards him in this fight. It's going to be a battle of absolute premier strikers. And if Sean Strickland, he's had trouble starting off early. Uh, if he can't get going early, he's in for a world, world of hurt. Nordin Talib is no joke. Um, but I'm that's that. I know that that's a little bit of a deeper cut soup that you you know you may not be up to speed with those guys. But I know who you are up to speed with, and we're talking about my man with the best mustache in the game, yep. Patrick Cummins. Pat Cummins. Facing Durkin. yeah, facing, face facing, facing Misha Serkinov, who is a big, strong Russian. Uh, this is going to be a great fight. Any thoughts? Um, I'm gonna. It's hard to go against the mustache. It really is, but I think Pat Cummins loses this one. I'm going to say Pat Cummins loses it. Oh, probably early second round. Both these guys have the knockout power. I think both of them end over 40% of their fights by knockout. Um, I 
I mean, Pat Cummins is either knockout or, or going to a decision. He's not going to submit you. So I'm going to go. I, I, I don't want to go against Pat Cummins. I'll take the under. I'll take the under in this. So under, under two and a half. Yeah. So we're saying inside, yeah, the, inside distance, the distance. Okay. Okay. I, I like that. Um, Misha Serkinov's got pretty decent ground game. Uh, he does have a couple submission wins, but he's, he is powerful. And, you know, I like Patrick Cummins, despite the beef that initially brought him into the UFC with Daniel Cormier. I like him. He's one of the more, uh, polarizing not not polarizing isn't the right word he's a very eccentric guy and he's he's very entertaining um he almost reminds me of like a tom lawler kind of character and, and the mustache like you said is just hard to go against uh the, you know the missing tooth in the mustache is just fantastic and i love that he plays into it but i like Serkinov here i think that he's going to get the job done cummings is a bleeder or cummins rather is a bleeder and he has a tendency to get hit. And I think that this is just too much for him. Uh, Misha's just big and he's strong. I think he's going to hit him uh, a lot. And I, I like the under. I think the under is, is the right play there. So that brings us to our co-main event. And, you know, this is a little bit of, has to do with the fallout from the Khabib drama. Artem Lobov was supposed to fight another guy from Khabib's team. So it was going to be like two lower level uh, Connor versus Khabib style guys, but obviously with the things going on with Khabib, the you know I can't even pronounce the guy's name that got pulled. Michael Johnson stepping in at short notice and fighting Artem Lobov. It's going to be an interesting fight. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I know Michael Johnson's coming in at a massive favorite. I think he's coming in at close. There's like a minus six fifty last I saw. Um. Yeah, minus six fifty on this on this shorter notice. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Michael Johnson has something like an eight or nine inch reach advantage in this fight as well, um, which probably you know that works in his favor a ton. I don't see any value in actually betting Michael Johnson because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play enough on this to make any money. Um, I'd have to see what the over under line is, but I really don't have a pick on this fight. I'll say this, and I don't like short-notice fighters. I think Johnson's taking this because he feels like it's an opportunity for him to come in and cash in on a quick payday on a guy that he thinks he can beat very easily. And on paper, he should be able to beat Artem Lobov very easily. He's a lot faster. He's got better footwork. He, you know, I would imagine, I don't know if he hits as hard as Lobov does, but he's got better head movement. He does all the things right to give Lobov trouble. But Lobov does one thing that has consistently given Michael Johnson trouble, and that is that he is tough and he will not go away. I don't necessarily think that Johnson is going to get Lobov out of there unless he submits him. I don't see him knocking Lobov out. So I think that the play for this fight is either decision or Lobov. Michael Johnson should win this fight, but he's such a huge money line favorite. There's no value in betting him. So there's reasonable value in betting the uh, the decision, but there's a good chance that Lobov actually can win this fight in the sense that he does the things that gives Michael Johnson trouble. He just plods forward, and when he, he can hit hard. He's He's got terrible head movement. He's got terrible footwork. 
but he hits hard. And, you know, he went five rounds with Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson is known for hitting really hard and having great footwork, which is what something Michael Johnson has. So Michael Johnson's coming in. It's short notice. You don't know what his gas tank looks like. There is a possibility that Lobov could win this fight. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know that he will. He shouldn't, looking at it, doing MMA math. However, you know, throwing a unit on Lobov and he hits, and I mean, I think the guy's like, I just plus 400 something or other. Yeah, that's four to one return on your money if that's if he hits. So I don't know. I think the play might be the decision there, but you know, I wouldn't be mad at somebody. Uh, you know, I'm, I may play at least a half unit or a unit on Lobov just to see what happens, just to get some skin in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we'll touch back on this again on the Friday show. Um, like you said, we have a lot going on on the Friday show, but I'm sure we're going to touch back on this Michael Johnson fight, and we're also going to touch on the main event again. Um, but these are, we're just throwing stuff around here for you guys to think about throughout the week. Um, watch some lines, see how they're moving, see where the sharp money's coming in at. Um, this is just a quick breakdown of what's going on this weekend. Yeah, these are by no means our picks. I will solidify and make very clear what we're stamping down as our picks. This is just spitballing right here. Real quick, let's cover the main event before we go ahead and wrap this thing up. We, uh, I think we're in unison on this one. And I'm anxious to see what you what you think here. But we got Vulcan Ozdemir versus Anthony Smith. Despite Anthony Smith having one of the better nicknames in the MMA game at Lionheart, which is a personal favorite of ours, uh, I like Ozdemir in this fight. Who do you like? All right. Well, we're not on the same page, actually. Um, oh, <laughs> so I mean, you know, both these guys heavy hands. Both these guys excellent jaws. Um. I like Anthony Smith's ability to win by submission. Um, Volkan's not going to, you know, he's not a submission artist by any means. Um, I'm going to take a, you know, a long shot play here. Um, and I'm going to say Anthony Smith wins by submission in the third round. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is a wild pick. What do you have the line pulled up on that, or are you just we just spitball? Uh, right I now? I actually don't have a line on it right now. Um, but okay, that's I, I mean I'm gonna play that this weekend. I'm taking Anthony Smith by submission in the third round. I I mean I don't hate calling your shot like that. I mean you know me. I'm I love calling shots, but man, that's a wild yeah. one. I know. Um. So I guess my question comes in that does Smith, where is Smith going to get the takedown from? Cause I don't see Vulcan pushing the takedown. I think he's going to try to make this a clinch right. fight. So, Oh man. See now you're, now you're messing with my, my brain here. Um, That's an interesting, it's a very interesting selection. We're going to talk offline about this. Cause I want to be ready for Friday to see what, where on earth this is coming from? The line itself on the fight, though, has got uh, Volcan coming in at minus 190 and Smith at plus 160. There is value there because Smith is very capable and very hungry and very able to win this fight. So I like that a lot. I just think that, you know, Volcan coming off that title loss to Daniel Cormier, but before that he looked like a world world beater. I feel like you got to ride that until proven otherwise. 
uh, Smith beat two guys on the tail ends of their career. He retired Rashad Evans and beat Shogun in what should be Shogun's last fight, but won't be Shogun's last fight. So his two wins at light heavy are not exactly the most uh, impressive. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is because we were talking about former champions, but you know, it's not, it's not anything that's really going ooh to me because, you know, if you look at Ozdemir, when he was leading up to the DC fight, I mean, he was just sleeping people. So the concern with him is we don't have enough tape on him to know what he looks like outside of the Cormier fight where he got thrashed, but there's no shame in getting thrashed by the greatest, you know, fighter of all time. So I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the play is there. I'll have to think about it some more, but like I said, there's, there's no shame in getting thrashed by the goat. I'm not going to feed into that. We don't have time. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. All right. Well, that's all right. I'll go ahead and sign off on this. You know, Daniel Cormier, greatest fighter of all time. I appreciate you guys tuning into the newest edition of two stick touchback. Um, had a lot of fun this weekend interacting with everybody on social media. So by all means, guys follow us on Twitter, Instagram, shoot us some emails. All of our contact info is in the show notes. And, uh, of course the Patreon page where you can get five additional picks every weekend. We're going to be doing that this weekend as well. So, you know, that's always an option. Patreon.com forward slash fistful of cash. That's always, that's always great. We love seeing people there. We like to interact in that community and social media, find us, follow us, share us, like subscribe, review all that stuff. I appreciate you guys a lot. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Again, guys, um, these are not our picks for the week. We were just running through them, giving you ideas of what we're thinking. We will cover this on the Friday show. There will be picks on the Patreon page. So please don't listen to this tomorrow morning and then take everything we said, including my Anthony Smith third round submission and go put a bet in on it. Um, That's just a long shot, you know, just trying to stir up some conversation here. Um, Yeah, we we will cover this again this weekend. Um, I'll talk to you guys on the Friday show. As always, clear eyes, full fist, can't lose.